Saturate exists to serve and equip leaders to start and strengthen unified gospel city movements that lead to gospel saturation. To the end that every man, woman, and child has repeated opportunities to meet Jesus through his church on mission everywhere, every day. Now, we believe this is going to require, as Jesus prayed in John 17, a unified church collaborating around five key initiatives, citywide prayer, leader health, disciple-making strategies, serving the city, and starting new churches and new kingdom initiatives. Presently, we're spending some time on the initiative of citywide prayer. Now, the Spirit of God has been leading many across our nation and around the world to collaborate in prayer movements for a long time. But one of those works that I really want to highlight today is Awaken Nashville. Awaken Nashville is a citywide movement of churches praying and fasting together on behalf of their city. We get to have the privilege of hearing from Dave Clayton, who's the founder and leader of Awaken. He's a husband to Sydney and a dad to three young boys. He's also the founder of Ethos Church, a young, passionate, multi-congregational church in the heart of downtown Nashville. Dave is also the founder and leader of Onward, a global family of leaders committed to making disciples and planning churches together. Dave, thanks so much for being here. Thanks for making the time to tell us a little bit more about yourself, your story, and the story of Awaken. Uh, just fill us in a little bit more about your family, uh, some of the origin of the work you've been doing with the church and this family, uh, global family that you're leading, and then, then we'll spend more time on Awaken. Yeah, man, so honored. Thanks for having me on. Uh, you know, my wife, Sydney, and I, uh, we've been married uh, 17 years as of tomorrow, so that's uh, a big day for us. We've been in ministry for as long as we've been married, started out as um, college ministers. We planted a campus ministry here in Nashville, and then planted uh, our, our church family here uh, in downtown Nashville 13 years ago, which has been an amazing journey, so much fun, uh, young, passionate, hungry church, you know, uh, it's been such a gift. And then about six or seven years ago, we started Onward, uh, which is our global church plan, uh, planting uh, family where we, we raise up and disciple and train leaders and send them out uh, all over the place. And so that's been great. And then uh, three years ago, we started Awaken, which is our citywide uh, prayer and fasting focus, uh, which we believe is where all of it starts. It's kind of the tip of the spear. And so that's a, a little bit about our work. We have three boys, Micah, Jack, and Judah. They're 11, 9, and 7 years old. And so it's spring, and we're playing baseball and you know hanging out and just getting into all the fun sorts of things you get into with boys that age. And so life is uh, sweet and uh, very full. Man, do they have a favorite team? Yeah, you know, my dad grew up six blocks from Wrigley Field in Chicago. So whether I wanted to or not, I've been a Cubs fan and my kids, you know, I've imparted that that gift to them as well. And so um, they don't realize it's actually been a, a really good time to be a Cubs fan for them, you know, because they've seen some some victory. But uh, so that's our team. Yeah, even though we've never lived there as a family, that's where uh, our family roots are. So. OK, man. You, so your your dad suffered long to get to see it and your sons have never suffered. <laughs> That's right. And my wife's side of the family, they grew up in Boston. And oh, so, wow. you know, there's these, there's these two, like, you know, rich, like baseball histories on both sides of their family. Oh man. So that's been fun. I'm hoping the Mariners are going to have a team this year. We'll see. I, I grew up in Michigan. So uh, even though, you know, Tigers fan, I always secretly wanted to be a Cubs fan, not because I wanted to go through <laughs> what the Cubs went through, but I just respected their, their fortitude and their faithfulness, man. What a, man, what a story. You saw, <laughs> You saw joy in the face of perseverance. Oh man. man. And my friends yeah. who are true Cub fans, when they, when they won, I just, man, 
I was calling them and they were they were just falling apart, man. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. Yeah. It's pretty unbelievable. It was, yeah. You know, you you said that prayer and fasting really is the tip of the spear. And when we look at the Pauline cycle, as some call it, and you see you can see it in Acts 13 and 14, the church in Antioch starts in a posture of worship and prayerfulness, and then the spirit leads them uh in setting apart Paul and Barnabas for the work the Spirit had them to do, and they pray and fast and lay hands on them. That whole thing gets started that way. And then in chapter 14, you see Paul go in and preach the gospel, make many disciples, uh, go back and strengthen the believers, remind them that really bringing about the kingdom of God is going to be painful. It's not easy. There's suffering. So we've got to encourage each other. And he builds them up and encourages them. And then he points leader, leaders again. And then what do we see at the very end of that cycle? Prayer and fasting again as they appoint leaders. And so it, it's the way it begins. It flows all the way through. It's the way we mark key moments. I mean, it really is the heart of what's going to fuel everything. And so I love what you guys are doing. When I heard, I, you know, I, I don't know if you know this, but I heard about it way before I met you in person because one of our leaders in the Soma family of churches had just stepped over and learned from you guys and started to implement it in his uh, city in Arkansas, cool. in Jonesboro, Chuck Deswin. And uh, he had been telling me all about what you guys are doing and started sharing with some of the resources. And so when I met you, uh, in Orlando just a few months ago, I thought, man, this is the guy that Chuck's been talking about. So it was fun to meet you across the room, but it's even more exciting for me to get to, get to be with you in person. So thanks again for being with us. And would you share a little bit more about the origins of the Awakened story? Yeah, you know, so uh, I mentioned earlier, we started our church family 13 years ago, and it was, it was an incredible journey. Um, so many pieces in that that we could talk about. But when we got about five or six years in, God began to do several things. One, um, he, he really began to stir in me this deep conviction that um, our church was not a praying church because I wasn't a praying man. And and th- that came through a whole variety of, of, of moments. And, and I even kind of resisted that uh, illumination from the Lord because I thought, man, I pray all the time, you know. I pray before meals and before sermons and, you know, I pray when I need things and I pray with people. And I thought I was a praying man, but the, but the Lord was just really challenging me. He said, no, I want you to be the kind of, of, of man that can just in, enjoy being with me and talking with me and sitting with me, um, uh, you know, because you love me. And so it, it was about uh, maybe seven or eight years ago, God started taking us on this personal journey of prayer as a church family. And we started going, okay, how can we how can we rearrange um, everything that we do so that it flows from a place of prayer as opposed to coming up with the strategy and doing what we do and then asking God to bless it at the end? How, how do we start in that place of prayer? And so it was in that season where the Lord was really kind of rebuilding our foundation around prayer um, that my wife and I uh, and our kids, we were invited um, to Nairobi, Kenya to come work with a group of church planters for about a month. And so we were there with leaders from all over and we showed up. Uh, we did not know this. We we arrived in Nairobi on the last day of a 30-day fast that they had just finished. And so we get there, and there was this hunger. There was this energy. There was this love for the Lord. There was this love for each other. There was this spirit of authenticity and repentance and confession and commitment to the mission. that was really unlike anything that we had seen. And so one morning, Sydney and I were riding to the store with our host, uh, 
she and her husband were the ones that had started this church planting movement. And we said, okay, tell us what's the secret sauce? Like where, where did all of this hunger come from? And uh, she said, you know, there's, there's no secret sauce, but for us, prayer and fasting is the first thing we engage in. And she just began to, to really explain that to us. And the Lord used that simple conversation on the way to the grocery store to, it was like, you know, he lit uh, the wick in our heart, like something just began to um, explode in us over the next season. So we came back from our time uh, in Kenya and we decided as a church family that we would tithe our year in prayer and fasting. And in other words, we'd give 10% of our time and our energy as a church family to pray and fasting. So a month in February, the first Wednesday of every month, 15 minutes in every Sunday service, the last two hours of every Sunday night, you know, seven days in the fall, um, a number of other things. And so we said, hey, let's give our time and energy to this. And we just started seeing God do great things uh, in our church family. And so honestly, it did not start with, hey, what should we do for the city? Um, it started with that personal conviction about uh, an area that I was lacking in my life. The Lord was gracious enough to bring that into our church family. And then about three or four years into that journey, one morning, we were about 15 days into our month-long fast, and I was up praying um, uh, for my boys. And I got to my youngest son, Judah, who at the time was three years old. And I was praying for Judah. And just this simple question just went across my heart as I was praying for Judah. Uh, I just sensed the Lord was saying, Dave, what would you do if Judah went missing? And you know, I said, Lord, you know what I'd do? I'd spend the rest of my life looking for that kid. That'd be my new job description. And he said, well, your city is filled with my missing kids. And the church, uh, for the most part, has has quit looking. I want you to wake up, wake up the search and rescue teams and raise up an intercessor on behalf of every man, woman, and child in the city. And so that was a Wednesday morning and thought, okay, I don't know how to do that. Uh, we can barely keep our prayer teams full at our church. How do we raise up a prayer uh, uh, you know, a prayer warrior on behalf of 1.8 million people. And so long story short, over the next few days, the Lord really confirmed that vision in several, several supernatural ways. And so we started calling the church together. And uh, the, this was the end of 2018. And so uh, we started inviting churches together and had no idea what God would do. We, we thought we were called to just take a step of obedience, not manage the outcomes. And so that first year, we had 419 churches um, join with us for 30 days of prayer and fasting. And uh, we prayed over every person in the city by name for 30 days and uh, then wrote them a handwritten letter, letting them know how much they matter to God. And uh, it, man, it was crazy. It was, it was wow. a crazy season. And, uh, <laughs> That's <laughs> it was, amazing. It <laughs> yeah, it, it was a lot of fun. You know, so every everybody that uh, committed to pray with us, they got a, a personalized prayer packet that had 15 individual names, uh, unique names in it. Um, to pray for and and uh, fifteen uh, blank postcards to to write and 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 then out of that, uh, you know, we just kept calling pastors and leaders, hey, let's just keep seeking the heart of God together. And then we did it uh, again in twenty twenty, and uh, really since God calling us to do that again, and and this time we had seven hundred and twenty nine churches in the city join us, and then a thousand churches across the state um, that joined in as well. And so for thirty days, uh, we did that. And at the end of that time, we really sensed that God was inviting us to move from uh, simply leading a campaign to establishing a culture. And so use that campaign to establish a culture. And so since then, we've been just doing the relational work of 
pulling pastors and leaders together in in groups, helping them establish cultures of prayer in in their church and in their ministries. And it's it's been a pretty wild ride. And so we've we've done that here in the city and then in a number of other places as well. So that's sort of the the genesis how how we started, um, kind of inside out way of doing it. But uh, wow, God's really really blessed us. Oh my goodness. I just, I'm blown away. I, I'm personally convicted just uh, as probably you had that moment where like the Lord pressed on your heart and just um, on a personal level, just like, man, Lord, help me, help me, you know, follow. I mean, you're, what a great example you're setting. So that's, first of all, just really encouraging to me and um, convicting. So thank you for that. And then you know, I I love this the city I'm in. I love this region, and um, we have we've had lots of prayer movements going on since the '80s here. But I cannot. I don't think we've ever had anything as strategic and collaborative as what you just described across the whole region uh, for every person. So, man, it's super incredible. How, how do you go about that? How, how did you like? That's a big undertaking. Oh, it, it was crazy. <laughs> you know, and, and for us. You know, and I think this is a, a key part of it. We always tell people this was not our idea. You know, we weren't we weren't sitting around going, man, how how could we do something big? How could we how could we unite the city? Um, we've always cared about the city. I've always been passionate about collaboration, gospel side. I mean, all of those things have been on my heart. But in regards to this place of prayer, you know, I, I think I came face to face with the reality as a leader that that no amount of preaching or planning was going to get the job done. No amount of strategy. Um, no amount of charisma, you know, I just realized, it, you know, if, if God's going to do um, something in our city to transform our city, he's going to have to do it. We've got to get in this place of desperation. And, you know, part of the way he began to convict me on my own journey was one Sunday morning, I was getting ready to preach. And I just sensed the Holy Spirit said, hey, today, instead of preaching, just lead the church in a time of prayer. And we had done that, you know, multiple times. That wasn't too weird or out of the ordinary. Um but that morning in particular, when I when I told the church what we we're going to do, and we started praying, you know, I noticed in the back about ten minutes in into the prayer time, there were a couple of groups that kind of got up and left, and and it wasn't this mass exodus or anything like that. I don't want to I don't want to make the picture more the more dramatic than it was. But in the spirit, when I saw that happening, um, the Lord just said, "Hey, you have you have conditioned them to be more hungry for your voice than for my voice." Wow. And it's like, oh, man, I don't want that to be true. And it was in that place where I just realized, oh, man, I'm, 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 not, I'm not the praying man that I want to be. And I'm still not. I mean, just, you know, <laughs> spoiler alert, still not there. But, <laughs> but um, it's been this really incredible journey. And so even when we said yes to the Lord in 2018, we felt like he gave us that idea, you know, that mandate, raise up a prayer warrior on behalf of every name, neighborhood, nation in the city. And we just started breaking it down. Going, how can we do this? And man, it was so overwhelming. Uh, we laugh. We we had a really small team. It was me. It was another part time guy and a gal that volunteered, and that was our whole team um, that first year. And you know, within that, uh, we really felt God was calling us to do it in some very specific ways. We always tell people this is not prescriptive. It's just descriptive of what God was calling us to do in the city. And so um, uh, in our context, we, we, we really sense God was saying, hey, we want you to cover all the cost of it. 
um, because that's one of the barriers in our city. You know, there's this suspicion of, you know, um, hey, is there going to be a bait and switch? So we really felt like the Lord was saying, hey, you cover all of the cost and don't ever communicate um, personally with the individuals that are joining into the prayer movement, only communicate with the leaders that are serving them. So in other words, we wanted to tell pastors, hey, we want to bless you as you lead your people in your way. Like we want to serve you and empower you. This is not about us. And so we actually worked really, really hard to remain completely anonymous. We didn't want anybody to know our church was doing this or paying for this or serving this. Um, in fact, um, that that came out accidentally about 20 days into the month of prayer and fasting when somebody on Reddit uh, found out who was leading it and and kind of sent that out, you know, and, and so that was unintentional. But um, we really sensed this was supposed to be a nameless, faceless, just Jesus's church working together in the city. And so so we just we, we said, yes, that's the primary thing we did. We said, yes. And then we worked really, really hard uh, to make a simple strategy um, that an ordinary person uh, could could step into. So, wow. So I, I, I was uh, I was a bit of a cut to like an arrow to the heart when you said I made people more. Um, uh, how you how did you say it? More um, eager to hear my voice than the voice of God. And oh my goodness. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, and mm. I don't know your story. That, that was never intentional. No, of course not. <laughs> you, you, you know, but and and even just the kindness of God, you know, even when he illuminated that, you know, because it, it, it actually is a terrible weight on a leader. Yes. To to feel like you have to be the voice, um, you know, um, but but man, when when we can be the one that just. And points people to the Lord, you know, when we can get out of the way, when we can stir up an affection in, in our people's hearts to hear from God, to walk with God. I was, I was even reflecting earlier this week, uh, just in the word one morning, Psalm 112, this line jumped out at me where it says, man, blessed is the person who delights in his commands. Mm. And, and I, and I thought, Oh Lord, that's what I want. I want our people not just to hear you and not just to obey you, but to delight like, oh, man, God, like anything you would tell me to do, Lord, is going to be incredible because your heart's perfect and your desire for me is so good. And your ways, like, you know, even if it cuts against the culture and my flesh and my desires, oh, man, I want to do it because you're so good. And what we found is when we can get people in that place to to hear from the father, you know, in that place of prayer, when, when they can taste and see that he is good, um, man, they want to come back, you know, and, uh, they want more. And so we're just going, man, how do we generate that hunger? How do we stir that up, fan that flame? Mm, I yeah. love it. I've been more recently saying Jesus was the most needy man that ever lived mm. because he said, I can do nothing apart from what I see the father doing. And just that, I know I'm nothing close to that. I know I'm that needy, but I'm not aware of how needy I am. And right. Jesus just oh, knew, man. like, there's nothing I can do apart from the Father. And if only we could embrace that and then live into that and then understand how that is the life. That is the abundant life, right? That's Jesus says, this yeah. is eternal life, that they might know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom he sent. It's like, that's it. That is the life. But man, and, and we and we and we read that and we're like, 
you know, really, Jesus, you could do nothing, you know, because that's how, you, you know, yeah. And but it's like his his world was so right side up. He saw things so clearly, and yeah, that's so. Good. I am so prone to just go trust in my gifts, my talents, my abilities, my strategy, and then ask God to bless it. Oh, me too. Ugh. Me too. So, man, man, God help us, help us to follow yes. Jesus well. Well, man, that, that's a lot, a lot of stuff that you got. How did you, I, so here's the question I have. When I think about that many churches, I think about every person in a zip code getting prayed for by name, notes sent to them. I mean, how, how do you put that together? Yeah. So, so what we did first was, you know, and this sounds really simple, but we started calling uh, leaders together um, every yeah. week and just casting the vision. And, you know, the way that we did this, we had, we did not have much money and we did not have much time. And so what we did was we, every Wednesday we had a lunch and we'd say, bring your own lunch. Cause we can't afford to feed you. We don't know who's showing up. So um, bring your own lunch. And what we'd say is we're going to take 20 minutes uh, to share a vision and give you 20 minutes to ask some questions and then you can leave. And, you know, uh, folks would show up and, and we'd, we'd cast the vision. Hey, here, here's what we're going to do very simply 30 days. Um, we're, we're going to pray for a move of God in our city by specifically praying for every person by name, that simple. And then at the end of it, we're going to write them a letter, letting them know that they matter to Jesus. Like, so uh, we tried to make our, our bullseye very clear, very simple, um, very defined. And, um, what we found was that, that people were hungry to see God move. Um, they, they really were hungry uh, to see God move specifically in the people around them. And uh, they felt like they could call their people to that. And so it was not just a clear target. It was, it was a target that was really easy for um, mm. you know, faithful churches across various streams to come around. And so, um, so we'd call people, we started calling our leaders together. And then um, you know, kind of our joke was, Hey, let's recruit people first, and if people say they're in, then we'll figure out how to solve the problem. Which I, I'm not once again not prescribing that; I'm just describing what happened. Yeah, we weren't going to we weren't going to spend a lot of time uh, figuring out how to do it if no one was going to do it. And so um, once uh, once people started signing on, we thought, oh my goodness, we've got to figure out how to do this. And so uh, we came up with once again, this is very specific to us. Uh, we felt like we were supposed to do this in a physical capacity, not a digital capacity. Um, it made it much more cumbersome, much more expensive. Um, but part of the reason that we did that was, we one, we wanted to cut through the white noise of just our, our digital world. Um, we wanted to put something in people's hands um, that had some value to them. Um, number two, we wanted it to be accessible um, for kids and adults. Um, we wanted to invite kids into the journey. And, um, and, and we knew that uh, not all kids are able to engage mobily in um, the same way that uh, adults can. And so that was a, a key strategy. In fact, we thought some of the most significant prayers that would be prayed would come from our kids. And so we had to actually take that very seriously. And so even the content that we created and wrote, um, we tried to write on a fourth grade reading level. Mm. Um, and so we thought, okay, uh, how can we do that? And, and then, um, and then we we wanted to to put something in people's hands that was so simple a leader when they were trying to mobilize their people could very simply say here's what we're doing 
And everything you need to know about it is in this packet because I know what it's like to stand up on a Sunday and trying to preach a sermon and trying to make that announcement for kids volunteers and trying to cast vision about the next thing that's happening. And we knew if we had to put too much um, communication weight on our leaders, it wouldn't work. And so what we literally created were these prayer packets, you know, uh, just imagine like a cardboard FedEx envelope, you know, that's what it looked like that had um, a simple guide in it that said, here's what this is. Here's when it begins. Here are the three things you need to do to get ready and the three things you need to do every day once we start. And so real simple guide. And then we had a short um, little book uh, on here's what fasting is. Here's how you choose a fast. Here's how you prepare for it. Um, uh, here's kind of grounding them scripturally in, in fasting. A short little booklet that you could read in an hour or less, um, you know, uh, and and then we created an audio version of that that people could listen to, and then also in that packet was a thirty day devotional. Um, so every day um, we were starting in the same scripture together, leaning into the same prayer points uh, together as a city, uh, and then uh, the fifteen blank postcards, uh, you know, and so these really simple packets. And so what we did is we literally uh, created these uh, and. Uh, put them together. And then we had a distribution site where leaders would show up and with U-Hauls and pick up, you know, 2000 prayer packets for theirs, or somebody would show up in a Kia and pick up 50 for their prayer team or whatever. And dude, it was just wild uh, what, what God did. But uh, once again, we chose that strategy um, because we, that's what we sense God asking us to do when we really asked him, Hey, how should we do this? Um, I don't know that we would have come up with that. And so um, we called leaders together. Uh, number two, we tried to resource them very practically. And then uh, number three, um, we started the fast together. We, we called all of the leaders together. There's a historic um, venue right in the heart of downtown Nashville called the Ryman Auditorium. Um, uh, a lot of people know that venue. And so um, we rented that out, had two back-to-back gatherings for leaders to kind of consecrate the month. And it was amazing. And, and then uh, throughout the month, we'd gather for prayer as leaders as they led their people. And then we ended the fast with a huge celebration just with leaders to come together and to testify what God had done, to pray about next steps, uh, to pray for the city. And so that was that was really kind of our, our process. Uh, engage the leaders, resource the leaders, gather to fuel the leaders, and then let the leaders give feedback um, and as they did that, they served their people. Mm. So that may be more in the weeds than you wanted. No, that's, that's, what, I, that's what I wanted to hear. I, honestly, I, that's super helpful. And I, I mean, as you were talking, I was thinking, you know, we, we invest so much time and resource into so many things. Like how many leaders or pastors listening are going like, yeah, when I, when I preach a message, how many hours do I put into it? And I do that every week, you know, in and out or uh, the, the ministries we put together that churches lead and the resources and the volunteers and all that, that we put to all those things. But the question that was going through my head is, have we done that with prayer? And what, as I was listening to you, I just thought that's exactly what you guys are doing. You're saying it is so important. We're going to resource it. We're going to strategize around it. We're going to put tons of energy into it. We're going to teach on it. We're going to get resource toward it so that everybody can participate in it. And uh, even the, the four, fourth grade level reading uh you know that 
I think that's just a discipleship principle that I think a lot of us don't oftentimes come back to. That is, most people are not going to learn at a college or graduate level. They're, they really are learning at a different level in a lot of ways in their discipleship journey. And so that was not only brilliant to include the kids, but I would bet that actually made it more accessible for everybody mm-hmm. as a result. And, and, and that's one of the questions we kept asking through the whole process is, as we were working on different pieces of it, is that are we doing this to be impressive or to be helpful? Mm. And and so we kept just going back to the drawing board, going, "Hey, let's make this helpful. Let's not worry about it being impressive." And and so I think what ended up happening was we saw a groundswell, a movement of ordinary men and women and children all across the city that were praying. Um, it, it took root in a lot of the places that you would expect, you know, churches and schools and businesses as amazing. But man, it took root in places that we never saw coming, like, um, that, you know, on the streets. You know, we, we it's so cool. We had we had a, a man that was living on the streets uh, that's a part of our, our church family. And he said, hey, I'm going to get the names of every person living on the street. And he, he tracked down 2000 names of folks that are living on the streets and and, and started mobilizing people on the streets to pray for people who live on the streets, which is incredible. Um, we had prisoners. Wow. Uh, this was, this was un- unbelievable. You know, this woman who was on a prayer team uh, with a church here in town shows up for her weekly visit to the prison, takes one of the prayer packets. Um, one of the inmates that she was connecting with heard what was going on and organized it in the context of the prison. So, um, stuff we couldn't, we didn't know how to pray for it. Um, we didn't, we certainly couldn't have organized it. We don't take credit for it. Um, but it was so, it was, it was so cool because we saw just this groundswell of people in the city, um, just really seeking, um, seeking the Lord, uh, together. And, you know, so wow. it, 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 it was really pretty amazing. Wow. When I when I often teach on uh, dis- developing a disciple making culture and thinking about disciple making practices, there's three things that I usually will say that have to be true of it in order for it to go beyond you, and that is, it's got to be uh, transferable, meaning it can be done anywhere, which is what you just described. You know, it's like you could do it. Yeah, churches you expect that, businesses you might expect that, homes maybe you expect that, but the streets, the prisons, like that's transferable. That, that was the movement of Jesus. It's like it could go anywhere and it went to the ends of the earth. Uh, it's reproducible, which means it can be done by anyone. So it can go anywhere. It can be done by anyone. And that's you, what you just described. You, you built that into this, which is why it's more than just an event. Uh, it's, it actually becomes more like a movement. And then lastly, it's sustainable. Like it's, it, anybody can do it and it doesn't take a ton of money. You guys certainly resourced at the front end, but if a homeless guy can go out and do this across the, you know, across the city, uh, he doesn't have anything. He doesn't have the resources. But look at what God did. And so, man, I just you you and I love that. You, That's so good. You exemplified those principles so well, which is why I I think you're seeing what you saw. And I, I am curious. You got the leaders back together. And how long have you been doing this now? So uh, you know, we did those two citywide campaigns. Mm-hmm. Um, for two years, okay, and then cool. in the in the year and a half since, we've just been really trying to build culture now. Cool, and so we we've been working at this, you know, for almost four years in some wow. capacity. I'm um, on the city level. Yeah, what are you know you 
probably had some stories from the first couple of years and that you're, I'm sure you're hearing even more stories. You shared a couple there that are really encouraging about how it spread out to places you didn't expect. Any, any highlight stories that you, that might just encourage us? Uh, I mean, this is already enough, man. You wouldn't have to tell me anymore. I'm ready to go get my leaders here in the city moving, but. Oh man, it, 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 it's amazing to me because all throughout the process, I was just astounded by the reality that God is in all the details. He, he was so in the details, and we've continued to see that. You know, so for example, uh, you know, the number of times somebody would open up a prayer packet and they were given 15 names, and they would look and they'd go, This guy, number three on my list, works next to me in a cubicle. Oh my or, goodness. This woman comes up in our church and she goes, she goes, I opened up my prayer packet and my ex-boyfriend is on the list. Oh my I'm goodness. Like, that's, I'm like, that's, that's hilarious. The odds of that are terrible. Or um, the, the number of times where, where God was at work in, in things like that, that we could have never orchestrated, never planned. So the way that he was in the details uh, really um, blew my mind. Um, the way that God showed up in the small acts of just sustained faithfulness. Like, so for example, I think about this, um, this one story, uh, it was about halfway through the fast and there's a small church, uh, kind of on the outskirts of the city that was participating with this. They had, they had kind of been plateaued for a long time, uh, but they, they were hungry for God to move in their area. And so one, one afternoon, this guy shows up at their church office. Uh, the only guy that's there is one of the uh, kind of administrative pastors. He's the only one left in the office. This guy knocks on the door and uh, says, Hey, uh, I need to talk to a pastor. And he says, okay, come in. Our, our other pastors aren't here. I guess I'll have to do the job. And, and so this guy starts asking questions. They open up, uh, to Mark one, they read through Mark chapter one together and they, they get done talking in about 30, 35 minutes. And the guy says, I think I really need to, to give my life to Jesus. I want to get baptized. Can I get baptized right now? So this, this guy, this administrative pastor, totally shocked, you know, sure. So he goes and, you know, baptizes this guy. The guy leaves. He's, he can't make sense of what's happened. He's like, what just happened? So anyways, a few days go by. Sunday morning, it rolls around, and this family shows up at the church. And they recognize this family as being a new family. It's a small church. You know, they had never seen them before. They said, hey, we need to find the pastor that baptized our dad on Wednesday. And so they find this administrative pastor and they say, hey, um, you, uh, our dad came in. You baptized him on Wednesday. He died on Friday. And all of a sudden, you know, this pastor, he has no idea. He's like, whoa, where's this going? What happened? You know, are they mad? Like he couldn't read. He couldn't read <laughs> what was going on. And they said, they said he didn't know he's going to die. We didn't know he was going to die. None of us saw it coming. And it hit our family like a train, like we have got to get our lives right with God. And, and we want to give our lives to the Lord. Can you baptize us? And so this whole family comes to the Lord. Now, that story in and of itself is amazing. But one of my favorite parts about it was the pastor calls us and he goes, hey, is there any way you can help us find the person in the city that's been praying for this guy for the last two weeks? And we're like, Let's see if we can find the person. So we, uh, we, we, we find what block of list he is on, you know, what, what church had those packets. So we went to that church and we said, hey, help us find. And so we got to find the woman that had been praying. And she was this mom with four kids that she's homeschooling. They were, 
They were uh, in the process of renovating their house, no kitchen, no, no bathroom, total chaos. But she decided that she was going to pray for 30 days for 15 strangers she didn't know. And so every morning, this mom homeschooling four kids in the midst of absolute chaos would get up early, say a prayer. And dude, we told her, she just started weeping. I'm weeping. Oh, man. And, and so just a small acts of faithfulness. He is in the details. The, the way that he would show up and answer prayers, like in, in when people would just be persistent, sustained faithfulness, you know. And so um, wow. those are some of the highlights. I, I think about the way that churches, you know, uh, man, there were churches that were declining that all of a sudden just started seeing uh, the move of God. Um, churches saying, hey, we haven't seen people come to Christ like this in years. And so really cool things like that. We, we saw people uh, repenting, uh, you know, um, sin that had been hidden in the darkness coming into light and uh, people getting right with God. And um, we saw churches uh, uh, working together. Um, I remember one of our, our pastor's gatherings, like one of those information gatherings, um, we would always do this thing in the beginning, stand up and tell us what church you're from. And in one of those info gatherings, you know, there's like 20 people in the room. And these two pastors sitting at a table across from each other, one stands up and he tells what church he's with. The next guy stands up and says, I am the lead pastor of the church across the street. And we've been there 20 years. I've never met you. And I asked for your forgiveness. And those guys repented like right in the room. And, wow. and they've been working together for the last two years since then. So just, wow. you know, I can tell you lots of stories. Sorry to ramble, but. Oh, no, um, no. This is what I want, man. This is so encouraging. I was like tearing up when you were telling that story about the man coming to faith and the woman faithfully praying. And I just thought, man, oh, anybody man. can do this. Like, that's what I love about it. Like any person can participate in this because the access to God through Christ and what he's done is available to all of us. And mm-hmm. I mean, I just, I just don't think, I don't think we realize what we have. We have access to the creator of the universe who's out finding his lost kids through his people and prayer is the way we get to join him in that. And it's amazing. He, he wants to do it. Yeah. He wants to do it and he wants to, to move through us. And yeah, it's, it's, mm. it's been, mm. it's been a lot of fun. Mm. So how, how would you encourage those who are listening in terms of like next steps that they might take towards catalyzing any kind of anything like this in their own city or region? Yeah, you know, I mean, this sounds really simple. I, I would, I would say, start small. Um, start small, but dream big, and 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 don't miss the connectivity between those two things. I think a lot of times, especially as leaders, we tend to think big but refuse to live small. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, if if you're a leader and you're going, man, how could I do this? I would start by going, okay, how do I get my house in order? How do I? How do I start giving my first fruits to the Lord in prayer? How do I start calling our church? And man, it can be so simple. You know, when we started calling our church into prayer, uh, we I mean, we set baby step goals. Could we take 90 seconds in every Sunday gathering and have people get in groups and talk with God together? And, you know, we've built up over the years where now it's, you know, 10 to 15 minutes in a gathering. Um, we wish it was more. That's just kind of, you know, the space uh, that we have. But um, start small, uh, you know, get your own house in order. Um, we don't want to try to export something that the Lord has not first imported into our hearts and into our life. And so, um, I would encourage you if you're not praying and fasting as a church to start there, 
But even if you start there, it doesn't mean you have to do it alone. So maybe you find another pastor or two in the city and say, hey, let's call our churches to do this together. Um, let's lean on each other. Let's support each other. Let's learn and fail together. Um, and so I would say, even if you're going to start small uh, in your home and in your church, you can still do it with others. Um, if, you, if you've been praying and fasting, and if you've, if you've been uh, building some relationship with others, and uh, you're interested in taking some next steps, we love um, helping leaders think uh, very strategically about how to uh, hear what God's saying for them in their city and how to implement something that would work in their city. Um, for us, it's not copy and paste, plug and play. Um, uh, that's not who we are or what we want to do, but we do love helping leaders um, learn from some of the mistakes we've made and um, and learn from some of the things that have worked. And we love sharing resources. And so if you're interested, you can go to awakennashville.com and uh, you can reach out to us there. And we'd love to get a conversation started. So that might be a, a good next step. If uh, if you're interested, man, thank you. Uh, what are what are some of the resources that you have put together that they could they could tap into? Yeah, you know, so I, I and this is so against my nature, but I wrote a, sh- a short book um, called Revival Starts Here: A Short Conversation on Prayer and Fasting for Beginners Like Me, and uh, that is really the aim of it. Uh, how do we help orient people to? the biblical reality of prayer and fasting, and how do we help you take some simple steps? It's a really short, kind of easy read. You can find it on Amazon. Um, uh, We've had a lot of churches that have gotten that in bulk and walked through that as a leadership team or with their churches as a starting point uh, to gear up for fasting. That's one of our resources called Revival Starts Here. And then uh, I wrote another uh, short resource called Jesus Next Door. And it's just a 30-day prayer guide that's designed to help ordinary people Learn how to pray for their neighbors. So, so how how do you see your neighbors? How do you pray for your neighbors? Um, and so, Jesus next door is the prayer guide. Revival starts here. It is on prayer and fasting, and and then we put together a short little journal called the Love Your Neighbor Journal. And the Love Your Neighbor Journal is is just uh, literally a journal with a bunch of questions designed to kind of uh, open your eyes to the people that God's put around you in all of the places where you live, work, and play. And so those three resources are really just kind of primers. They prime the heart um, for what it is that we're talking about. And uh, we found it to be really helpful. Uh, and so uh, once again, you can find you can find out about that on awakennashville.com. Uh, you can find them on Amazon. You can get them cheaper through through us than Amazon. But um, yeah. Mm, man, thank you for the work that you're doing. I, I know you're you're just following the lead of the spirit, but I'm thankful for your obedience and your faithfulness and, and just, yeah, personally. Mm. Man, thanks Jeff. I'm, I'm so grateful for you and your ministry and yeah. just getting to connect with you, man. Uh, I just love you and your heart. And so mm. thank, yeah, the listeners can't hear it, but I just started to choke up because I'm, I'm just really blessed by you. So <laughs> thanks brother. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, you can yeah. pray over us and over the listeners. Is I would okay? love. Yeah. Yeah. Would you do that? Would you do that? Yeah. Father, I love you. You're such a, you're such a great dad. You, your heart for us is unbelievable. We can't fathom it. Jesus, we love you. Holy Spirit, we love you. We are so grateful for the ways that you are moving the, moving in the earth. 
Well, God, I thank you. I just, uh, for some reason, my heart's just drawn to Isaiah 43. I just, I thank you for the, the new things that are springing up on the earth right now. I thank you for the way that you're bringing streams of refreshment in places of dryness where you're meeting so many leaders, Lord, that I just know as a leader, I know what the last two years have felt like. Um, been so much confusion. I've been uh, so many kind of wilderness moments. And God, I just thank you that you do your best work um, in places like this. I, I thank you. I thank you for um, the desperation you're stirring in the American church again, for the hunger um, that you're stirring. I am I'm grateful, Lord, for uh, your tenderness and your care that you are not done with us. Um, uh, I'm grateful, Lord, that that you are, I believe you're wanting to uh, to raise up uh, a generation of, of men and women um, that love you way more than we love what you do through us, um, that love you way more than we love certain ministry outcomes or um, uh, any, any of that. We just, we just love you. We adore you. And God, would you help us, help us uh, to love you more. And uh, God, would you just be with the leaders uh, that are listening to this podcast and um, uh, any place of uh, dryness, um, God, would you just bring uh, springs of living water there? Um, would you illuminate um, new visions, fresh visions for them? And uh, God, would you uh, empower them by your Holy Spirit um, to, to draw other leaders together uh, for the purpose of gospel saturation? And so, Lord, we put this in your hands. And uh, Jesus, we, we long for you to come back quickly. In your name I pray. Mm. Amen. Mm, amen, man. Thank you so much. You demonstrated the very principle by just la- landing us there, man. Thanks. That was a blessing. Yeah. Hey, thank you. Thanks for yeah. all you do, bro. Yeah, you too, Dave. Listeners, uh, I hope that you will press into this more and more. Uh, Awaken Nashville is such a great resource. Go there, check out more. Um, start with small, dream big, as he said. Such a good uh, word to let it start in us first. If we can be helpful to you at all, um, go to saturatetheworld.com where we have a lot of resources around these kinds of principles. And so we would love to serve you more. Um, anybody who's listening, um, if you want a free subscription for a month of all of our resources, just uh, use the code um, first month, all lowercase uh, one word, first month, and you get a free month of every resource we've ever created to hopefully serve you in your own disciple making journey and again dave thank you so much um it's really been a blessing to be with you